speak this morning on heaven's gifts. You know, it's Christmas is quickly coming upon us. And one more time, how quickly the years fly, the fly by, huh? I mean, man, oh man, it just seems like it's uh, going by faster every, every year. And I was told that the older you get, the faster time flies. So I must be getting really old because time is really flying. And uh, it's just amazing. But Christmas is a time of great joy and happiness in most of our lives. Now, I also understand that Christmas can be a difficult season for some. I understand that there's losses in people's lives and other reasons that maybe holidays like this can be difficult. So for that reason, I want to be sensitive. And if you're struggling with the Christmas season, I, I pray with you. I stand with you um, because I know it can be difficult at some times. But there probably were great seasons of Christmas for you. And Christmas is all about sharing, isn't it? Sharing gifts, sharing food, sharing fellowship, sharing time with family and friends. Um, it's all good, and I'm all about that. I mean, I, I love that part of Christmas. So gift-giving is an interesting idea. Why do we give gifts? Have you thought about that? Have you ever really spent much time thinking about gifts? What are they? Why are they important? Why do we do that? Well, and I think, th I think the original gift giver is heaven, and maybe that's why we do it, because we want to be heavenly in some ways. So that brings me to what I want to talk about today. And for us to have a proper understanding of Christmas and what it's really about, I think it's important that we think a little bit bigger than just giving gifts to each other and having lots of food to eat and singing all the Christmas songs and, and all of the fun things about that. But I want to ask the question, why is Christmas even necessary in the first place? Have you ever thought about that? Now, I'm not Scrooge. I'm not saying, ah, oh, bah, humbug here. I'm not saying that. But why is it even necessary? And I think if we're going to truly understand what Christmas is about, we, we need to understand why is it even necessary. And I believe to find that answer, we have to go to the original source of gift giving. And obviously that takes us to God. Because he is the original gift giver of life, right? He created this world that we live in and the amazing things that we are able to have all around us. And it was God's original intent that for all creation, it was to be eternal. God never created anything to be temporary. He is an eternal being, and he, eternal, he created this creation that we live in to be eternal, including you and I. But we all know what happened in that garden 6,000 years or so when Adam and Eve chose the lies of Satan over the truth of God, and all of a sudden sin came in the world, and everything God created to be eternal was now doomed to die because that's what sin does. Sin brings death. And this broke the relationship that God had with us, his most cherished creation, humanity. And all of a sudden, we were once in a perfect relationship. Now we are in a broken relationship. And now that gave God a choice. Now God was given a choice. Have you ever thought about the fact that God has choices? How many times do we think about that? 
But God had a choice here. If he wanted to have a relationship with his creation that he intended to be eternal, and by an action not of his choosing, all of a sudden it became temporary because death now entered the equation. God had a choice. Number one, he could change his mind about this particular creation. And he could have said, you know, there's nobody here to witness what I'm going to do besides Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And the three of us in one can say, let's just start over. Let's just scrap Adam and Eve and tear up the piece of paper and let's just start over with a new creation because this one failed. That's one choice. Or the other choice he could have is that he could go to plan B and he could choose to redeem mankind or give mankind the choice to be redeemed and that's what Christmas is about. And that's why Jesus had to come to be that sin offering for us to be able to, so that we could bridge the gap one more time and have relationship with God that he so much wants to have with us. Remember who he was and who he is, and he has not changed. So with that, we are able to have a, a better understanding of the Christmas story and what it's all about at least from heaven's perspective. But I want to talk this morning that there are some elements necessary in gift giving. Number one, every gift has a reason. Number two, every gift has a source. And then number three, gifts are given to meet a need. So let's look at heaven's gifts and understand the three conditions here that God's talking about when it comes to how he gives gifts, all right? Number one, every gift has a reason. Or better said, there's a motive or a purpose behind every gift. There's a motive, there's a purpose behind it. And I don't think we have to look too far to see God's primary motive here for plan B and that he was going to redeem mankind. Because he loved man so much. John three sixteen and 17. Most of us know this by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But rather he sent his son to save the world through him. That's his primary motivation of sending Jesus is because he loves us so much. And this explains the very nature of God, that God is love. Through and through, God is love. Everything he does is all about love. He loves you and I unconditionally. Just understand this. There is nothing you can do so bad that God does not love you any longer. He loves you. And I know for some of us, we have a hard time understanding love that way. I, I Listening to Teresa's story, I, I think that she has had a hard time understanding how God could love her. And it's not that Teresa has done anything bad, that bad. It's just the fact that's the enemy's lie. The enemy will lie to you right to your face. If you think the media lies, <laughs> Just understand how much more the enemy lies. He will lie right to your face all the time. That's all he does. He's the father of lies. He cannot tell the truth. 
And he tells you that you're worthless. And he tells you that you're not worthy. He tells you that God does not love you. But I'm telling you here today that God does love you. And that's what makes heaven's gift that much more amazing. I want to read about God's love for us and then what he wants us to do with his love. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 8. John says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. Lots of words in that passage. But I hope from that, I hope can you see, can you see how much God loves you in that? Can you see the expression of love that Jesus gives us? You see, God sent Jesus on Christmas morning to be a sacrifice of eternal so that we could have eternal life with him. And God gave his son Jesus as a gift to the lost world so that all those that would, would choose to open that gift and receive it so that they would have a relationship with the Father. It's more than just holding the gift. It's more than just receiving a gift that makes a difference for you. I can give you a gift. And you can say, wow, that's really a nice gift. Mike, thank you. You did a really nice job wrapping it, which I'm not a good rapper, but um, my wife is a good rapper. So she probably wrapped it for me. If it's good, she wrapped it. <laughs> and you can look at that gift and say, wow, that is really nice. Thank you. And then walk away and leave it there on the counter and never open it. And then what good does that gift do for you if you don't open it? It just looks good sitting on your counter. But the only way that that gift has any meaning to you is if you unwrap it, open the box, look inside, take it out, and for all of us guys, throw the instructions away <laughs> and try to put it together. <laughs> but in all honesty, that gift only has value when you take it and start to use it and play with it if it's a toy or use it if it's a tool. You see, the theme of Christmas is really Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. And I think we've heard that before. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Well, what does that mean? That's kind of a nice sounding thing, but what does it really mean to say that? Well, let me use the analogy that we all probably understand, and that is the power of regifting. <laughs> I mean, I think we all know what it is to regift something, right? Somebody gives you that whatever it is, maybe it's the tie, whatever it is, maybe it's the whatever that you open up and you look at it and say, oh, really nice, thank you. And you look at it and say, what do I need that for? 
what, what am I going to do with that? So what we do, if you're a good regifter, is that you express your thanks to that person, and then you don't open it, you don't touch it, you just put it on the shelf so that you can give it away to somebody next Christmas, and you can regift it, because maybe they'll have a use for it. <laughs> Powerful, powerful principle that work here. You can save a lot of money if you can learn how to regift properly, by the way. But you know, God was the original regifter. God, it was his principle to regift, but not in a sense that well, the way we regift because we don't want it. What God is saying, I'm giving you the gift of Jesus and I want you to regift him. I want you to wrap him up and I want you to give him to your friends. And I want you to share him with your family. And I want you to give the gift of Jesus because he's the gift that keeps on giving. And you're not doing it because you don't want him. You're not doing it because there's no value in him. You're doing it because there's value in him. You want to share him with somebody else because there's such value with Jesus and he's unlimited in his source. And so by regifting Jesus, what you're doing is you're sharing love to the world because God is love and you're sharing his love. That's the power of heavenly regifting. There's something else that I want to talk about, and, and a gift given first is the gift most appreciated. A gift given first is the gift most appreciated. You know, the, the, what I'm saying on this is that if somebody gives you a gift, um, you might look at that and say, well, now I have to give a gift. I have to give a gift back because they gave me a gift. So really, the first gift is the one that wins, <laughs> Because that's the most appreciated gift because it was given uh, maybe unexpectedly. Well, there's a principle here as well that is biblical. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps to die be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But this is the point. Verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And this is one of these hard things for us to understand. Because God took the risk. Listen. God took the risk of sending his son to earth to die, to only be rejected. Because once he sent Jesus out, out from heaven and Jesus took the assignment to go to do what he was supposed to do, they had no control over you and I or anybody else's level of acceptance. I mean, Jesus couldn't have come, come have died and given up all of heaven's glory and died a horrific death and nobody would or could have received him. And God was willing to take that risk. That's how much love is. Love is willing to take a risk when you're not sure what you're going to get back. Think about that. Because if, if, if God knew, if he could control you and me, then he could pretty much know that this is going to be a good return on his, on his investment. Because he knew that he could make me accept Jesus. Well, God doesn't make anybody accept Jesus. Do you know that? 
That's why we have to willfully bend our knee as we sang this morning. There's going to come a day when every man will bend their knee. On judgment day, there's going to come a day where every man, woman, and woman is going to bend their knee before God and they will not have a choice about it because God is God and God is sovereign and God is all-powerful and he will make that known. But today we have a choice. Today we have a choice to bend our knee before God because we want to. And when I want to bend my knee before God, then I have eternal life. And then I don't have any problem bending my knee to God ever again after that. That's the power of choice. That's the power of God's love. Have you ever considered how great, how great God's love for you is? The other thing about this passage is that he was willing to give you the gift while you were still dirty. While you were still bound up in sin. He didn't say, come clean yourself up. Go home and wash your face. Go home and take a shower, shave. Tuck your shirt in, Mike. Right, Nancy? He didn't... He didn't say, go clean yourself up and make yourself presentable and then come to me and I'll receive you. No, he said, come in your grimy clothes. Come in the sin in your life. Come in in all your failures. And <laughs> all your ugliness. Because we're ugly people sometimes. I can be a real ugly person. But God loves me anyways. Come in. Just as you are, and I'll forgive you. If you open my gift, I'll forgive you. So that's the purpose. Number one, that's the purpose of the gift. Number two, every gift has a source. Or better said, one can't give what they don't have. <laughs> I could write a check for a million dollars and give it to Dan or Gilbert. In fact, I could give one to all of you. And wouldn't you be happy? Just don't take it to the bank. Because I don't have it to give. So therefore, I can't give it. But Jesus, the main gift of heaven today, his bank account is good. Just so you know that. Whatever he's planned on giving you, He's good for it. Why? Because God is the creator and God is also the redeemer. If he can create, then he can redeem. Think about that. If God has the power to speak and light appears of darkness, and organization appears on the earth and a living organism is created, then God clearly has the power to redeem it if it's fallen. So he's good for his, he's good for his word. So if God, by sending Jesus, 
became great love for us on earth, imagine, imagine, imagine how much he was loved in heaven. I mean, if God is going to send his love here, he must have had it in heaven before he could send it here. So imagine how much Jesus loved in heaven. And I want to say it this way. God was giving, is giving his best, his best, heaven's best, is coming to redeem and, and, and the, redeem the relationship with earth's best. You see, I just read a minute ago that we didn't have to clean ourselves up for God, which is true. But do you also understand that in God's perspective, you're the best of his creation? Even if you're dirty, you're the best of his creation. So heaven was sending its best to redeem earth's best. That's who we are. And the devil doesn't want you to know that, by the way. The devil wants you to think you're not the best. The devil wants to continue to beat you down so that you stop asking for help. God is sending his best in order to redeem the best. And I'll bet you don't consider that yourself. I don't, I don't, I bet you don't consider yourself the best, do you? There's many times where I will look at my life and probably you would look at your life and say, I am not the best. And I have no idea that God thinks that of me, nor do I have any idea of all the gifts that he's sending me. So I want to show you that. I want to show you factually who you are. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 30. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Did you hear that? Let us make mankind in our image. What does that mean? In the image of God. <laughs> That's the best you can get. He didn't say, let me make you in the image of a Chevrolet. He said, no, let me make an image of God. In our likeness, so that we may, so that they, his creation, may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Very important that we recognize that fact today. Male and female, God created us. No confusion here. Verse 28, God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in a number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves in the ground. And then God said, I give you. Listen, God says, I give you. Every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed on it, they will be yours for food. God is giving you. Verse 30, And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was so. Do you see the gifts God has given you? Everything. Everything he has given to mankind. There's nothing left out. God didn't say, I'm going to give you everything but that. 
No. That's how much he loved us because that's how, much, that's how important we are to him because he gave us everything. All right? So let's fast forward 6,000 years. Where are we at today? What did we do with the everything that God created and gave us? Well, I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of time here because I think we understand how we have squandered it, how we have not been good stewards of so much of what God has given us. And most importantly, how we've chosen sin over God. Basically, mankind was given everything by God. And then they did a crazy thing. They gave it away. They gave it away. They gave it to their enemy. Satan didn't steal it. He might have lied about it. He might have deceived them into giving it, but he didn't steal it from them. Mankind gave it to him. See, <laughs> if you thought Joe Biden and his administration was the first one to leave billions of dollars of, their, of our best technical warfare material to the enemy, you're, you're wrong. He's not the first one. Adam was. Adam and Eve were the first ones to give all that God had given them to the enemy. Because when they were kicked out of the garden, they left everything behind. All of God's goodness, all of his mercy, all of the freedoms, all of the, the trees and all the food that was given to mankind, they left it. So I'm saying that today because I want us to understand where we're living today. Satan in scripture is called the prince and the power of the air by rights. We are living in his domain. Follow me. Stay with me here, okay? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are living in Satan's domain. For this reason, heaven had to go to great length and great sacrifice to regain the authority of this world again. This is the source of the gift or the reason of the gift of Christmas. See, what we think about as a glad and joyous occasion, which it is, is really the beginning of the greatest battle of all times. And I say battle not in the perspective that God might lose the battle, but in the perspective of what it's going to cost in the battle. There's no risk of God losing the battle against Satan. But it's going to cost him, but it cost him greatly. See, when God sent Jesus from heaven to become that baby born in a lowly manger 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave up 
all of heaven's glories. And Jesus was going to live a perfectly hard life. Perfectly hard. There was nothing easy about the life of Jesus. You know, if you've watched The Chosen or if you've watched any documentary that kind of shows the life of what was happening and how they lived back then, you can see that life wasn't easy. We glamorize it. And we just make it look like it was so easy. But no, no, it was a hard life. Jesus lived a hard life. The disciples lived a hard life. The early church was born in adversity. It was hard. We've talked about it in the past that there's a narrow road and a wide road. And the narrow road is the what, Teresa? She knows. We've talked about this. The narrow road is the hard road because it's telling you that the enemy is against you because, remember, we're living in his domain And so if I'm on the wide road, it's the easy road. Satan's on that road, and he wants to continue to walk with me on on that road. So he's not going to purposely bounce me off that road because we're already on the road that's leading to destruction. So it's going to be relatively easy. Whereas when I get on the narrow road, the hard road, the difficult road, all of a sudden the devil comes against me now because he's trying to do everything he can to knock me off the narrow road back into the wide road. Remember, we're living in his domain. So when this battle began, this began and it cost great sacrifice and expense in heaven. And I know we already spoke about it this way, but I have to make it, I have to make you, I hope you can realize with me that when I realize the cost of heaven, when I realize the cost of Christmas, what it really means to God in heaven, then it helps me to realize better, really, how avoidable this was. Why was Christmas necessary in the first place? Because it was the only way that God could redeem mankind. Because we willingly chose. And you might say, wait, Mike, hold on. That happened 2,000 years or 6,000 years ago. I wasn't there. If I would have been there with Eve, I would have said, Eve, don't do it. Don't do it, Eve. It's a trap. Run away. And I would have been this hero. I would have been the savior of the world because I would not have let Eve eat that fruit. So you're speaking irrelevant terms to me, Mike, when you say this. But I'm going to say I'm not speaking irrelevant terms because here's the point. We can learn from, our, we can learn from past mistakes. Yeah, maybe it's not your responsibility or my responsibility or my fault that Adam and Eve sinned. But at the same time, I look at my life today And I look at some of the things that I have to deal with, some of the misery and some of the pain in my life, and I realize that it was because I made a choice yesterday to give me the pain of today. So let's learn from our mistakes. Let's not live in the past. Thank the Lord. That's what Christmas and the redemption is all about, that I'm forgiven and I don't have that baggage anymore. But but what we can learn from that, though, is that what I do today is going to impact my tomorrow. If I don't want to live in the same pain and misery that I'm living in right now, then let's make a different choice. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. If I'm agonizing, if I'm in pain right now, if I'm not feeling the peace that Rip talked about before, if I'm not feeling that, then he said it, there's something out of whack. Well, that out of whack thing is the fact that maybe I haven't applied the blood of Jesus, I haven't opened a gift. And number two is I'm creating my own problems. 
So let's make a change. Let's do the simple thing. That's why this is a relevant point to make. And that takes me to point three. I'm moving on. Sorry, the time's getting a little bit on me here, but I'm moving to point three. Number three, gifts are given to meet a need. Gifts are given to meet a need. And sometimes that need is purely pleasure. Other times it sustains life. I mean, let's, let's recognize it. I mean, sometimes we give gifts just to please people. I don't really need it, but it sure is nice to have it, and I can enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Rip bought himself a little boat this summer, and he thoroughly enjoys it. In fact, I've seen pictures of even Vicky on the boat with him. Oh, his wife bought Rip the boat. Let's get it right. She felt the need. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure craft. Then it keeps giving. And from that, he enjoyed many, many days and hours in the cool of the day out in the little lakes fishing, fishing bluegills or bass or pike or whatever probably would bite the worm. He probably didn't care if he's a good fisherman, right? See, but sometimes gifts are given for purely pleasure. Other times gifts are given because they, you are needed to sustain life. I can remember, uh, this, this reminds me of when I was a kid, way back before the internet and before Amazon, <laughs> do you remember the Sears and Robot catalogs? The wish book. Man, I got to tell you what, I lived around September time frame, I lived for that book to come out. Because as soon as we got it out, I would take it and I would turn to the toy section. And I would look at every one of those toys in Sears and, and I would look at those racetracks, all the stuff that I really wanted. And boy, I would have the wish list out there and I was just enjoying that Sears and Roebuck wish catalog and I was just in heaven as a little boy would be in heaven, I guess. Only to hear my mom say, I would say, I want it right now. She'd say, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. And it got to the point where even if I needed a pair of socks or underwear in September, my mom would say, Christmas is coming. So deal with the holy underwear and the holy socks. Christmas is coming. Sometimes the gifts are purely pleasure. Sometimes they're a necessity of life. And I just learned the fact is that sometimes you have to wait. <laughs> Whether it's a pleasure or a necessity at times, it's okay to be patient. But God has unlimited resources, and for him, he wants to give us more than just the Sears and Roebuck wish list, wish book. He wants to give us every gift. In fact, he promises that he does. James chapter 1, verses 16 and 18. So don't be misled, dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God the Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So powerful. God never changes. And he chose to give birth to us by giving his true word. Who was his true word? Jesus. Jesus is the true word that he gave us, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Isn't that great? 
that God would love us so much that he would give us life and then he would redeem us when we've fallen? See, God being the awesome Father understands what's best for us. What gifts are for pleasure and what gifts gifts are necessary for life? He is the full catalog. He's from the socks and the underwear to the train sets. He's got it all. And he gives it to us when we need it, sometimes for pleasure, sometimes for necessity. Now, I want to read a passage in 1 Corinthians here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses, starting at verse 1. Now, let's talk about the gifts. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So now Paul is going to go into a teaching here of what are the gifts that God brings us. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 4 through 11. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. Did you hear that? A spiritual gift is given to each one of us. You have a gift. You have a spiritual gift that's given to you, not just for you, but for me. You have to re-gift it. You have to open it up and use it so that you can share it with me. And I have a gift that I'm responsible to open up and to use so that I can share with you. Right? Let's continue on. Verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives a gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. (laughs) Awesome gifts. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. I can't covet your gift. I mean, I can covet it, but I shouldn't. It's not right for me to want what God has given you, and you shouldn't shouldn't want what God has given me. Because God knows which gifts to give to which children, which child, which son or daughter. Why? Because he knows how that son and daughter will use it and can use it and be faithful with it. God distributes his gifts to his children based on his knowledge of how those gifts are best used. Everyone's given a gift, sometimes multiple gifts. So it's our job now to know how to use those gifts. And he gives us those gifts to help each other. Every gift is intended to be passed along so that the body of Christ is built up by them. That's why church is so important. Can I just tell you that? See, if if God gives you a gift, he doesn't want you to use the gift at home and keep it to yourself. He wants you to share that gift with the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is in this building, but it's also in the world. I get that. 
that we're not just to be so consumed with this building that, that this is the church, but this is a big part of it. I got to tell you that. The reason that's important is because it was Jesus' idea to build the church. And the reason the church is important is because your gift, I need to have it. I need to have what you have. Not that I'm going to steal it or take it from you. No, I need to have it in your life so that you can share it with me and vice versa. Do you know that? And the person sitting next to you in in that chair, you need them to be in church with you. And they need you to be in church with them because it's when we share our gifts that way, we become an effective, I'm going to say the word, powerful, powerful body that the enemy cannot stop. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He does that not because it was his magical potion. It's because he uses the people in the church to build each other up so that the gates of hell do not prevail against the people in the church. Your gift, your gift, your gift is important for the church. That's why we need it. That's why we need each other. Acts chapter 20, verse 32 and 35. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. I love that word. Give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. You know that these hands of mine have worked worked to supply my own needs. This is Paul speaking. And even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember, however, the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's the true spirit of Christmas, is that we are quick to re-gift the gift. Jackie, would you come, please? So as we enter into the Christmas season this year, I really hope that we have a different perspective of what heaven's gift is now. This has been an eye-opening message for me. I will tell you, in fact, I said it last week, didn't I, Jackie? I don't like Christmas messages (laughs) because it's always the same. Because it just talks about Jesus coming in a baby in the manger, which we have it right over there. There's a manger over there next to the cross. And it's just the same old story over and over and over again. But, you know, the Lord has given me new power. (laughs) This week was the best week of my life as I was studying this. And God was just giving me new revelation about really what heaven's gift really is and how powerful it is. And I don't know if, it meant, I don't know if this means is effective to you, but boy, it sure is for me. So I am so glad I spoke this message today. It has given me a new look on life, a new look on what it means to be a Christian in the dark world. And you know, uh, Teresa, Teresa, I have been so encouraged over you this week. You have just been such a blessing to me of this journey that you are on right now. And it is such a good thing. I can't wait to hear your testimony. What you gave today was amazing. I can't wait. It's going to be in a year. You're going to be a preacher. But as we come into the Christmas season this year, there is so much more to Christmas than maybe what we thought of last week. It's a time of family celebration. I get that. But when we really look at heavenly gifts for the way that God has intended them, I I pray that you 
look at your Christmas a little bit different this year. I don't know how we can't. I just don't know how we can't look at it any different. If you've really listened today, if you've really heard the words today of our whole service, beginning with our Christmas carols that we sang at the beginning of the service today, this has been a powerful service. Something different is happening today. And it's all for you. Let's pray. Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name today. I am so, so overwhelmed with your goodness. So overwhelmed with heaven's gifts, beginning with Jesus, and then extending all the way through what the Holy Spirit has gifted us with. So that we can properly accept and use and apply this gift. So this morning as we're here, and maybe you're listening on online, I want to give you an opportunity to receive the gift. Maybe you've known about the gift. Maybe you've even been given it at one point in time in your life, and it's sitting maybe on your table in a nicely wrapped package. But maybe you've never opened the gift. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to open the gift. And so nobody's looking around. All eyes are closed because this is a personal time. This is a time between you and Jesus. And I want to ask you the question this morning. If you want to receive the gift of eternal life, I need you to do something today. Would you raise your hand to heaven and say, Jesus, I see it now. I've known about it for a long time. I see that hand. I've known about it for a long time. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. I want to receive the gift of life fresh and new today. I want to begin that journey today. One more time, I want to experience the gift of heaven. So I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to give me a new life, a new start, a new beginning. Now, for those that have their hands raised or has raised them, would you pray with me? Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I let you down. I'm sorry that I have chosen wrong things. But I declare to you right now that I want my life to change. So would you come into my life, Jesus? And would you put me on that new journey? Would you give me a new look at life so that I see your gift for what it really is? I pray your help now as I go forward. That I will walk with you to the best that I can, but I need your help. So thank you for sending the Holy Spirit into my heart. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
for those that prayed that prayer today, I want you to know you're a new creation. The old man has gone. The battles are going to still rage. I'm telling you, the battles are still going to rage because we still live in Satan's domain, but we're not under his control anymore. Do you understand that? You're no longer under his control because you're a new person. Now we walk in it. We celebrate it. We live in it. We intentionally make different choices, but we appreciate what he's given us. Amen. Tom and Jackie, would you sing us? Would you sing that song you're playing? And let's stand with me, if you will, and let's just worship Him this morning as we prepare to go home. Father, thank you for being that good, good Father. And thank you for making me a different person today. Thank you for your mercy and your grace that's new every morning. It's never the old, same old stuff. It's always new. It's always fresh. And I thank you for that. So I pray blessing on us today as we go to our homes, as we celebrate this Christmas season. May it be the best one ever. May it be one that is new because we are in Christ Jesus. And even for us that have had many Christmases this way, Lord, refresh it in our heart. Make it new to us. Give us that first love. Let us have that first burning in our soul one more time. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed.